Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. We're joined by a special guest today to help us preview Michigan's football game against Penn State this weekend. We break down that matchup and later talk about the season opener for Michigan basketball. All that on Wolverine Confidential. All right. Well, as I said, we're joined by a special guest today. It's Bob Flounders, Penn State football beat writer for our sister site, PennLive.com. Bob, thanks for coming on. Hey, it's my pleasure. We had Aaron on one of Penn Live's uh, Penn State football podcasts. It was very uh, informative and entertaining. He also managed to put up with Dave Jones for almost 25 minutes. And that's that might be a new record on the podcast for tolerance for Dave Jones. He, he hadn't mentioned that uh, he only said positive things about it. Aaron knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is laughing now. Well, uh, but yeah, we thank you for returning the favor here. We'll get right into it. We're going to all fire a bunch of questions at you. But kind of the first one that, that I think is maybe the most important is how you think Penn State can handle Michigan's run game, because that that's where it all starts for Michigan is on the ground and teams that can slow them there. Yeah. Force them to turn to something that's not exactly their strength, their preference. So, yeah, where how do you see that battle playing out? You know, it's been interesting watching Penn State's defense this year. They've been tremendous in the red zone. I mean, they've I think they've only given up like 10 red zone touchdowns. I forget how many possessions, but they've actually had forced 12 empty possessions. They have given up yards, but they've been very good inside the 20. Now, as the season has gone on, they lost their best defensive tackle, P.J. Mustafer, in the eye of a loss. He's out for the year. That's a really big blow. There's a guy that's going to be questionable at best, excuse me, a defensive end by the name of Jesse Lucetta. He didn't play last week against Maryland. So they're kind of running on fumes a little bit on their defensive line if Lucetta can't play. And compounding that fact is that it's been weird because when Illinois upset Penn State a couple of weeks ago in Penn State, they had a line with seven offensive linemen and two tight ends. So they just had a quarterback and a running back. They didn't do it on every play, but they did it on a lot of them. And they ran for 357 yards and they made it look easy at times. But since then, they played Ohio State and Maryland and neither team has done that. They've just tried to play them kind of straight up on the offensive line. And I know talking to Aaron that extra offensive linemen, that's something that Michigan can do and will do. They feel good about it. So I'm not sure if, if Michigan decides to do that, given how good their running game is. I don't know if Penn State's going to be able to hold up. I'll be interested to see how Penn State defends that look, because I'm pretty sure it's coming and it's going to be a huge challenge. I was just going to say, guys, this, that kind of sounds familiar, but we're familiar with it and with Michigan. And with Blake Corm's status unclear, you know, we don't know if he's going to play on Saturday. Hassan Haskins is probably going to get a bulk of the carries. Um, he and he is their guy, their top running back between the tackles. I mean, he's the guy that they kind of depend on to get those extra yards in short field situations and eke out those those short gains on the ground. So I certainly would expect Michigan to try some of that. To what degree remains to be seen, but you know, as you mentioned, there's a lot of tape out there in Penn State now. Michigan probably you know realizes they can get away and do some of that stuff. Yeah. I suspect they're going to try some of it Saturday. Yeah, Blake Corum isn't available. You would have to think that Penn State loads the box the majority of the time because, I mean, without Blake Corum, you don't have that, that passing threat as much out of the backfield, too. And with several other receivers kind of banged up, the mission is probably not going to try to move the ball through through there very much. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to maybe uh, bring down a few safeties if you're Penn State and, and try and stop that run and, and force Kate McNamara to, to throw the ball and beat you, beat you with his arm. Bob, what now? What is the status of Sean Clifford? I know we're. I know he's going to play. Is he a hundred percent? What? What's his situation? 
you know, so like, just like Michigan and every other school, they just will not give any, it's like hockey injuries. They say it's upper body and it's really <laughs> like a, you know, it's a high ankle sprain. They say it's lower body and the guy's got a separated shoulder. But, you know, what we do know is when he got hurt in the uh, Iowa game, it was definitely an upper body injury. You hear rumors about it. He didn't finish. He played only about 20 minutes of that game. And it really cost them because they don't have, if, if anything happens to Sean Clifford significant on Saturday, the game is over. I could tell you that their quarterbacks behind him just are not ready. And it's just been, it's been very, it was very alarming to see that performance by them at Iowa. They made a mistake trying to rush Sean back in the Illinois game. He, I would say 50, 60% at best. And as the game went on, whatever pain medication he was on, you could tell it had worn off. And he was, he was grimacing on plays where he wasn't hit. And you could, you could just see it. He was not himself. Somehow, though, he was much closer to what we've seen in the Ohio State game. He was able to do some things. He still isn't running a lot, which is something he did before the injury. And I would say in the Maryland game, if he wasn't 100%, my best, he was close 90 95%. But it's definitely upper body. And my best guess would be something to the rib cage area. He's wearing some kind of protection up there. But I do think that the quarterback running was a huge part of Penn State's offense, you know, at the start of the season. But I don't know if you guys remember in last year's game at Michigan, Penn State won by 10. He did hurt the Wolverines running the ball. There were some design runs. I don't know that they're willing to risk him being exposed on a design run just because of the consequences of him really getting hurt. The drop off. I know you guys have Michigan has a, a quarterback. I think that they feel pretty good about. Uh, behind McNamara, it's not the case at Penn State. They have some really impressive recruits coming in in the 2022 class. But man, anything at all goes wrong with Clifford that limits him. And you're going to see a significant problem for Penn State throwing the football. So I don't know. I, I would say he is close to healthy, but it doesn't take much for him to kind of get knocked backwards. He's taken he's taken a lot of punishment this year. That's another reason why I'm a little worried about him in pass protection because they, they throw the ball an awful lot because the running game has not worked. He's thrown the ball, I think, 99 times combined the last two games. And, you know, the hits he takes or the sacks he takes, he's a guy that'll hold on to the ball to the last second, which is not what you want to see from a quarterback who's dealing with an injury. He won't throw it away. I think it's a real problem for a very physical Michigan defense and that pass rush with those edge rushers. Edge rushers excuse me. Going to that side of the ball, then you got to talk about Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver. I mean, he's coming off, uh, I mean, an unbelievable game, 11 catches, 242 yards, which I think I remember reading on your side was a school record. Is that is that right? Single um, game record, correct. Yeah, and, then, and and three touchdowns on top of that. I mean, he is an elite, elite wide receiver, and and Michigan has not, you know, faced one of those this year. I mean, the the, the best receivers in this conference are are him. It's it's David Bell at Purdue, and it's you know any number of guys at Ohio State, and and they you know haven't played those teams yet, or in Purdue's case, won't. Right. You know, Michigan State's got a pair of really good guys, and and they did have you know pretty decent games against Michigan. You know, Aaron and Ryan can talk about who maybe matches up with him. But yeah, Bob, if you can tell us a little bit, I guess, more about what makes Dotson so good. Just a phenomenal player who, you know, he was a true freshman in 2018. And he was like a low four-star kid from the Lehigh Valley, where, where I'm from in uh, Pennsylvania. I think he went to play at Nazareth School. The Lehigh Valley is like eastern part of the state. But the funny thing is that he wasn't initially, Penn State wanted him, but I th he had already verbally committed to UCLA. And there was a coaching change as he was getting ready to, to sign. I think Jim Mora was on the way out. And I think Chip Kelly, who's still there, was on the way in. 
And I think Chip made it pretty clear that they didn't want Jahan. So I think Penn State was his second choice, and he signed with Penn State. Was a factor as a, a true freshman in uh, 2018, especially the final month of the season. And each year, each year, he's gotten significantly better. He made some plays in the 2019 game that Penn State won against Michigan at Beaver Stadium. He didn't do much last year in the Michigan game, but Penn State was had bought into the running game pretty significantly, and they weren't really throwing it much at that time. Uh, what I would say about him is there's nothing he cannot do. He has phenomenal hands, deceptive speed. Teams still don't understand that if you get if he gets a step on your secondary, you're not going to catch him. Uh, Maryland, I thought, was very foolish in the way that they played him. They played a lot of man coverage. They did not have a lot of people in the middle of the field. And Penn State went after them all game. Maryland never adjusted. I think the way to play Jahan Dotson is you have to have guys over top. He's going to get his yards and they're going to target him, you know, 10, 12 times a game. But you have to limit his ability to make yards after the catch. Ohio State gave up some catches, not a lot of yards. That's the way to play him. Wisconsin in the first week of the season, you know, Jim Leonard, he was very aggressive in his pass coverage against Penn State. And they, they burned him in the second half of the game. He got loose for a touchdown that really started Penn State's comeback. I think Michigan's going to give up some yards to Jahan. The question is, are they prepared to kind of sacrifice maybe some safety play over the top just so he does not, you know, it's one thing if he catches seven passes for 85 yards in this game, but you know, if you let him loose in the secondary, you're not going to catch him. There's just too many things he can do and he will catch a ball anywhere near him. He's going to catch it. He can make the contested catch. He's not even a big guy runs great routes. I would say that he even I would say he and David Bell have probably been the two most impressive receivers in the Big Ten this year. I know the Ohio State guys are good, but you just cannot give this guy much room. And if you do, he has consistently, consistently made defenses pay who are too aggressive against him. You know, I, I will say on that end, Michigan, I think it's a little bit better equipped this year to handle a receiver of his caliber. You know, if you, I was kind of surprised Penn State didn't throw the ball more against Michigan yeah. last year because, as, as we saw, you know, Michigan got burned by Indiana and Michigan State and, and the like. Obviously, Penn State still won that game. But this year around, I, I think they're just better equipped to handle these type of guys. I mean, they're playing more zone coverage. They're throwing right. more safeties up up higher. So I agree. You know, he probably will get his catches and his touches and the like. But Michigan's going to have to limit the explosive plays, you know, the, the long the long plays for touchdowns, everything along those lines. So, yeah, that is going to be a, certainly a matchup to watch, I, I would certainly say. Bob, staying on the offensive side of the ball, what is the deal with the run game? I mean, Noah Kane was a former top 100 guy, high four-star recruit. What's been the deal this year? So at the beginning of the year, Jaywan Sider, the running backs coach, James Franklin, they're all talking about this is as talented as a running back room as maybe the 2019 group that Kane was a part of, Devin Ford was a part of. They had a five-star who didn't pan out named Ricky Slate. They had Journey Brown, who was really good at the end of his 2019 year. His career got cut short due to a medical issue. He can't play anymore. But Noah Kane just has not looked like the Noah Kane that I remember when he was healthy as a true freshman, I still think their best runner by far is Kevon Lee inside. He had a real nice game at Michigan last year. A physical guy can make people pay for trying to tackle him. He's almost 240 pounds, but they are determined, determined to rotate backs. And I think it's a detriment. You're going to see Noah Kane. You're going to see Kevon Lee. You're going to see the Baylor transfer, John Lovett. 
And I just think that that works against Penn State. I think I know that Michigan's got a, a one-two punch that is kind of the envy of the Big Ten, but they get better, I think, the more work they get. And Michigan feeds those guys, but the Penn State guys, you know, they'll get one series, and even if they'll have a good series, they won't be back. They'll miss the next three series, and the guys that replace them just aren't as good. The other issue has been the offensive line, just, you know, three returning starters, a key reserve. They were They were much better in the running game under the old uh, offensive coordinator, Kirk Shiraka. And the last four games, they ran the ball a ton. They didn't even really try to throw the ball in a lot of games, and they made it work. But this year, under Mike Yersich, their offensive line coach, Phil Troutwine, I just don't understand. These guys are big guys. They're physically talented guys. But they get whipped. They get whipped up front more often than not. There's blown assignments. They moved their all-Big Ten guard, Mike Miranda, to center. I don't think that's worked out. They've been slow to adjust. I think someone's going to have to answer for this at the end of the year because right where we're nine games into the season, they still got to deal with Michigan and Michigan State. So the odds of them turning it around, they haven't even been close to having a 100-yard rusher this year. And there is some talent, but it is easily the biggest disappointment. And you guys, when you watch this game, at some point, someone's going to get the hot hand for Penn State for a couple of carries. And then you watch, he won't play again. And you're just going to be like, why isn't this guy still in the game? It's it's maddening. I think the decision to keep rotating backs has been a mistake. But these guys are stubborn. These, this coaching staff is stubborn, and they're tired of the criticism. So I think you're going to see a rotation on Saturday. Sounds like Michigan last year. Yeah. You know, you've mentioned the red zone, you know, defense early on in this conversation. And I mean, you know, I, I could see my my. Wolverine beat colleagues just nodding along with me thinking, oh, well, that's been a problem for Michigan on the offensive side kind of all year. I don't know if there's something, you know, specifically to we've been trying to diagnose the red zone woes, why it's a problem there and not at other parts of the field. But it certainly seems like that's a strength for Penn State versus versus a weakness for Michigan, you know, in a game where, uh, like many, you don't want to settle for field goals if you don't have to as good as Michigan's kicker is. I'm wondering, Bob, is there anything, is there something we, you know, we haven't talked about, you know, in regards to this game, you know, whether it's special teams or just some element of this matchup, you know, that you think will be important in deciding the outcome? Yeah, I'll give you one specific matchup and I've been harping on it all week. Um, Penn State has a, a pretty solid left tackle in Rashid Walker. I think he'll get drafted. He has not taken a step forward, though, like I thought he would. I think he'll get drafted probably in the top, if I had to guess, maybe the top 100 picks. The problem is the right tackle, Caden Wallace. I don't think he's very good in pass protection. I know Michigan and Hutchison and Ajabo have two premier pass rushers. Even if they try and give Caden Wallace help, the tight ends are not very physical as far as chipping or anything like that. I just think there's going to be a couple instances in this game because Penn State's going to throw the ball a lot where they're going to expose Caden Wallace, the right tackle, for he's a subpar pass protector in my in my view, and and he gave up a sack last week. Clifford's getting hit a lot. I think that Michigan's going to be able to free up some guys to get after Clifford, who is not the most nimble guy. I think Rasheed Walker, I would trust a little bit more, although he's going to I guess probably go against Hutchinson a lot, and that's going to be a problem too. But I, I would say that specifically. Whoever they put against Caden Wallace in pass rushing situations might eat very well on Saturday. That is that is music to to Michigan fans' ears. Oh, you watch! Uh, They're going to go after number seventy nine. I, I guarantee <laughs> they will. 
Yeah, I mean, if if you're and if you're a Penn State fan and you're looking at maybe Michigan sack numbers and seeing they're kind of maybe towards the middle of the Big Ten, that mm-hmm. that definitely doesn't tell the whole story with Michigan. I mean, they're they're getting pressure sure so so often. I mean, Hutchinson and Ojabo, both of them, but like this, just high motors that really they're relentless <laughs> um, in in their attack of of, of quarterbacks and, and getting in the backfield, even if you know the statistics don't really uh, show it so much. And and what I had said earlier, you'll see it too, Clifford holds onto the ball way too long. It's one of the reasons why I think he got hurt and he just is determined to make a play when there's not a play to be made. He won't throw the ball away. And so, you know, there's, when you talk about quarterback pressure, I don't really, it's not so much the sacks though. It's the deflected passes. It's when you make him throw the ball someplace he doesn't want to throw it or it's quarterback hits. They take their toll. He's taken way too many. And even if you only have, you know, 15 to 20 sacks through nine games. That really doesn't tell the story of how effective I think your pass rush is. And I, I just think that you're going to see with Sean, he's a fifth year senior. He's not going to change his ways. He's going to hang in there to the last second. And those pass rushers are going to get home at some point. Yeah, Bob, I, I know you and you and Aaron spoke about this on your guys' podcast, but yeah, based off what happened to, to Michigan and Mich- against Michigan State and their substitution problems, I mean, you would have to think that that Penn State goes tempo more often than not against this Michigan defense, too, to t- limit those substitutions that they like to do on defense and, and kind of just continue that momentum on, on a drive and kind of wear out the guys that Michigan does have on the field. Mike Yersich loves that he's their first-year offensive coordinator. He was at Texas last year. Ohio State for a year. He spent a bunch of time at Oklahoma State. Uh, he loves to use tempo. It does work for Penn State. They used it with success uh, in the second half of the Wisconsin game, turned it around. They used it with success against Ohio State, and they used it with success in the Iowa game before Clifford went out of the game. It gives them some easy completions. It forces the defense to scramble. There's usually communication issues on the defensive end when they're going to go quick. It also kind of forces Clifford to make quicker decisions when they go quick. And I think that's beneficial as well. So when they get a first down, right, you're going to see them kind of, they're going to try and go quick. The other thing it does, it really kind of tires the defense out and kind of negates their ability to kind of pressure Clifford. They have used it with great success. They have the receiver group, I think, to do it. Because if you if you do try and take, Dotson away. They have a guy, a second year wideout who works the middle of the field named Parker Washington, who had nine catches, I think, for 93 yards against the Wolverines last year. And they have another second year receiver named Keandre Lambert Smith, who can get behind a secondary pretty easily if you're focused on trying to limit Dotson and Washington. So they do have the pieces to go quick. They're going to try and go quick. And I'll be curious to see. Yeah, I was watching from my hotel room when Penn State was playing Ohio State. I was watching what Michigan State was able to do to Michigan, especially, I think, in the second half of that game. I'll be curious to see how, how Michigan has adjusted to that because if they, don't, if they don't adjust well, you'll see Penn State stick with it. Final question for me, Bob. What's the feeling on James Franklin there in State College? You know, when they start 5-0, and all, they drop three of the last four. His name has come up in, in rumors for other jobs. He's forgetting who the team is playing the following week. Yeah. What, what, what's going on with James Franklin? There? Yeah, you know, he's in his eighth year. I think, he, I think he, got, he got to Penn State a year before Harbaugh got to Michigan. Eight years is a long time to stay anywhere in this job anymore. I think he gets a lot. I would give him a lot of credit for rebuilding Penn State from where when he took it over. He's done a great job with that. They they kind of snuck up on everybody in 2016. Michigan thrashed them in 2016. They recovered. 
won out, won the Big Ten title. That was a big feather in his cap. But the problem at Penn State is kind of like the problem that most teams in the Big Ten East are, are dealing with. It's how do you combat Ohio State in the recruiting, right? Because Ohio State is just stacking five-star players <laughs> at every position. Their quarterback depth chart now, I think, has five, three five-stars on it. And Stroud, the kid from Texas, uh, the kid from Pennsylvania, who's a five-star, you know, Penn State just, he, they came, they don't even have a backup quarterback they trust. So one of the things that I think really hurt James Franklin is in 2017 and 2018, the years after they beat Ohio, Ohio State, they had them beat in both those games, double-digit leads in the fourth quarter. They could not hold on to the leads. Ohio State rallied to beat them at the finish. I just think it's stuff like that that really shows up when you're trying to recruit, you know, recruits are watching, fans are watching. And now that one win against Ohio State is the only win he's had against the Buckeyes. And uh, the fan base has high expectations. I do think, he, and, you know, when he confirmed the news that he changed agents to Jimmy Sexton, you know, he said it was before the season, you know, the alarm bells go off, right? So he's clearly probably going to do what's best for him and his family. Eight years is a long time. I'm not sure if he'll get the USC job or he'll interview for the USC job, but I think he is open to any and all kind of job offers because A, it doesn't hurt him to interview. B, he can use it as leverage to get more stuff from Penn State's administration in terms of facility upgrades. They're trying to do that for him. I don't think he's happy with that, but the problem is they started 5-0, and and they looked good doing it one at Wisconsin. They beat Auburn. You excuse the Iowa loss a little bit because of Sean Clifford going out, but it's also damning because they didn't have a backup quarterback ready to play. Like, you can say what you want. Will Levis transferred to Kentucky. They had all offseason to address this because I think they had to know with a true freshman as your number three and a guy that's taken no meaningful snaps – uh, Taquan Roberson as your number two, that if anything happens to Sean Clifford, you might be up a creek. So I don't think the fan base is quite as forgiving about that game. But honestly, it's that Illinois loss. To play an injured Sean Clifford, to not even give your backups even a series, and to get smoked for 357 rushing yards by a team that had been embarrassed by Wisconsin the previous game and called out by their coaching staff a couple days before the game – it's not unforgivable, but it's just one of those things that you just don't forget. So my my take on James Franklin is I think he can come back. I think he will definitely interview. But I just think the fan base, a lot of the fan base has made up its mind about him and that what you see is what you're going to get from James Franklin. They're not going to be able to compete with Ohio State. So if you can live with eight and four, maybe, you know, nine and three every year then he's your guy if you're a fan. But I just don't think they want to live with that. Sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sister, say replace yeah. James Franklin with Jim Harbaugh there. You can pretty much say the same thing. Yeah. Well, Bob, thanks so much for, for helping us uh, break down this, this matchup. And uh, yeah. Let's... Anytime, guys. All right. Well, good talk there with, with Bob Flounders of PennLive.com, breaking down the Michigan-Penn State football game. Um, as we said, we're going to talk a little a little hoops as well. You know, I'll start with the women. I was, you know, none of, none of us were at the game, but they won. They won in overtime over IUPUI on Tuesday night, 67-52. You know, they were up, they were up seven with a few minutes to go in that game. And, and you know, just 
not fell apart, but struggled a little bit down the stretch and, you know, it ended up going, going overtime and they, and they win by five. Nas Hillman did Nas Hillman things, 30 points, 15 rebounds, 11, 11 Wolverines played, including, you know, significant minutes from, from three of the four freshmen. Michigan was three of 20 from three. IUPUI was hit 10 of them. So that's a major discrepancy there. So you can kind of see how, you know, the, the almost upset happened when, when you look at those numbers. But the biggest piece of news in this game is a minute into the game, I think it was Michigan's second possession. Amy Dilk went down with what all reports seem to be. It's going to be a season ending injury, um, you know, a, a knee or leg injury. Yeah, it was for, again, talking to multiple people who were there, it was pretty, pretty devastating, pretty excruciating. Um, yeah, I'd hear the screams and then like a pin drop in that arena. Um, oh, and she then, you know, gets in a, in a brace and, and is helped off. Like it's um, no, no official word yet, but, but that's probably, that's probably the case. And, and, and that's your, your starting point guard, a senior. That's just as bad as it gets here, you know, uh, a minute into your, into your senior year. So that, that's why that's part of the reason for the, uh, you know, going so deep into the bench in this game and, you know, having to play Nas 42 minutes and, and Leah Brown 39. I mean, they're, they're going to be out there most of the year anyway, but you know, th- those are real big minutes even for an overtime game, but yeah, saw you know, certainly some good things out of the freshmen and a win the men, not nearly as dramatic in, in their, in their game last night, Wednesday night over Buffalo up 21 points in the, in the first half. And it gets all the way down to five in the second half, but they win 88 76 again kind of similar story you know the, the center does what uh he did much of last year hunter dickinson 27 points you know much of it just you know pretty pretty easy inside talked about how he might be expanding his game but didn't didn't show that in the opener michigan dealt with some some foul trouble two starters rode the bench for a good chunk of the first half with two fouls point guard Devonte jones and, and forward caleb houston but other guys stepped up uh, just got a story up on mlive.com earlier this morning about uh, Terrence Williams, you know, comes off the bench and just blows past all of his career highs from his, from his freshman season with a big game, you know, scoring 15 points, but, but rebounding and defending multiple position, multiple positions. He can, I mean, he really is like a Swiss army knife for Michigan and, and, and he was huge. So yeah, a lot to like from, from Michigan in the opener, but certainly things to clean up Didn't shoot free throws. Well, um, you know, the defense wasn't, you know, super tight, especially against this, uh, Jonathan Williams, uh, 32 points, but you know, that's a stud, uh, Williams and, and this Buffalo team, I think are going to be really good. They're picked to win the max. So yeah, that, that's our report from, from the openers. I, I know it's just, just one game, but do you think the the foul troubles is, is a little bit worrisome, especially with, with Devonte Jones? I think he had some issues with that and before he even got to Michigan as well. Yeah, that's a good question. It's a definitely a different style. You know, something we talked to him about before before the season. I mean, it's great to have a guy that can, you know, force some turnovers and and you know, he had a couple, he, he picked a couple of guys' pockets uh early in that game. But yeah, that extra aggressive style is is the flip side of that is potentially more fouls. And yeah, it certainly was a problem on in the opener. So obviously too early to tell going forward. But one of the things that made Michigan really great defensively last year was they defended so great without fouling. I mean, they just, they, they really didn't send teams to the free throw line all that much. And, and yeah, we're really great against two point shots. And that was, that was just not the case. Um, on Tuesday, you have Brooks and others, you know, just got, got beat to the basket at times. And yeah, once you, once that happens and you start having 
having fouls and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's definitely something to watch for sure. I know it's only one game, but I was really impressed with a couple of the newcomers. You know, Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston impressed me a lot. Just their, their fluidity on the court, and they, they didn't look like first-year freshmen playing their first game in college. I mean, they they, they look good. You know, not only did they score, they distributed. You know, Caleb Houston, for instance, two of four from three. You know, I was really impressed with those guys. Yeah, I mean, he's billed as this great shooter, but there, he really is an all-around player, Houston. And you saw it with some some nice passes and and some rebounds and He's just a smart player and Diabate, I mean, you can just tell he's going to be, you know, a fan favorite. And Williams was talking about, he was hearing the, you know, the moose, you know, chant at Chrysler. And yeah, he just comes in with, with so much energy and again, made some, made some nice plays because he had some ups and downs in the exhibition with some turnovers and things like that. But, you know, he had three assists and they, they were all the three pointers. I mean, he found guys, you know, open on the outside and hit them. You know, he just runs the floor so hard in transition and, is so athletic and 6'11 that, you know, his ability to play with Hunter Dickinson too is, is huge because there's not going to be a ton of minutes at that center spot. But, you know, if he can fill in there and then also get on the floor with Dickinson, that's that's big time for Michigan. So, so yeah, they they were key in that that first run that Michigan had to start to to build some separation. They they were the they were the two scorers as part of a 9-0 run. So yeah, I thought they were they were very good as well. And you got a glimpse of uh Frankie Collins who didn't play in the the exhibition. You know, as I said, I, I thought he'd be he'd be good to go in this one, and he and he was. He, you know, he filled in at, at point guard. You know, when Jones was was in foul trouble, and Jawan Howard said, you know, he he kept the team organized. I mean, he didn't he didn't try to do too much, and yeah, just kind of just kind of ran ran the offense. So this was a tough opponent. Uh, it's now a drop down in competition. Saturday, uh, they go to Washington D.C. They play Prairie View A and M. Who you know, I'm looking at their schedule. They they're on the West Coast right now. They played St. Mary's, and now they'll play they'll play San San Francisco uh, tonight, Thursday night before before going across the country to play Michigan. And this is a team that's that's pretty good, pretty competitive in in, in the SWAC. But still, that's you know that that's a conference that usually draws you know a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament, and you know they're undersized um, and, and things like that. I you know six foot eight is is the biggest guy that's played so far for them this season. So yeah, Michigan should be a heavy favorite in that game. The, the coaches versus racism game uh, in Washington, DC. That's kind of the reason you have, you have this, this matchup where it is uh, on Saturday. So good old swag. There you go. So that, that wraps up this episode of Wolverine confidential podcast. Thank you for listening.